break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back here on The Punch-Out, 23rd of July, 2021. Very happy to be back with you here as we close out the week. Plenty for you here on the show, as we always do. We're going to be talking about Jamie Dimon, CEO of J.P. Morgan, on his $50 million crime spree. We're going to be talking about big increases in the Pentagon budget here in the U.S. But before we get to either of those two very important stories, we're going to be talking about poverty wages, specifically the declining value of the minimum wage here in the U.S. We're in a survival mode right now. We're just trying to survive right now. I don't want to survive. I want to be able to live. Make sure, you know, my son is good. That he got what he needs. If I'm out here slaving for $9 an hour, like, what's the point in that? It's hard to raise a family even to survive by yourself on barely minimum wage. And it's definitely difficult having a six-month-old baby boy at home trying to take care of him and get a car and an apartment and everything together. Well, those were workers from Raise Up NC, Raise Up North Carolina, one of the lead groups in this country fighting for $15 an hour in terms of a minimum wage, as well as unions for low-wage workers. And they were holding rallies last week, highlighting, or this week, I should say, highlighting that it has been 12 years since the federal minimum wage has been raised. It is, in fact, still stuck at $7.25. In states like North Carolina, it actually is still $7.25 specifically. Some states have raised the minimum wage, as have different localities. In fact, because of the Fight for 15 movement, states and localities across the country have passed a patchwork of laws that have gotten over $68 billion in wages for low-income workers since 2012. That being said, even those raises aren't enough and minimum wages around the country are stuck at anywhere from well below the poverty line to right on the poverty line. As a new study from the Economic Policy Institute lays out, over the last 12 years, the real value of the minimum wage has seriously eroded. A worker paid the federal minimum wage of $7.25 today effectively earns 21% less than what their counterpart earned 12 years ago after ingesting for inflation. It's actually 34% below the real value of the minimum wage in 1968. If the minimum wage had kept up with productivity growth since 1968, it would be at $22 an hour today. Tens of millions of workers are stuck with these poverty wages. Just to give you some sense of that, if there was a national law raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour, 32 million workers would get a raise, a raise that would provide on average $3,300 per worker annually, $108 billion in wages overall. Also worth noting that 59% of the people who would benefit from such a law raising the national minimum wage to $15 an hour would be women. That being said, in many areas, even $15 an hour isn't enough. In Houston, a single parent with one child would need to make $29 an hour to be making a living wage. 
In Richmond, Virginia, they'd need $30.19 an hour to be above a poverty wage. In Los Angeles, $41.55. Oh, and by the way, the minimum wage in L.A. is $15 an hour. In Cheyenne, Wyoming, you need to be making $27.73 an hour if you are a single parent with one child not trying to be living in poverty. In Kokomo, Indiana, $26.62. In Corvallis, Oregon, that same number would be $32.50. So as you can see, across all types of places in the United States, even $15 an hour won't be enough to make ends meet, which... It's probably why, pre-pandemic, more than one in four households, including more than one in three households with children, experienced a major form of hardship, specifically an inability to afford adequate food, shelter, or utilities, according to research from the Center for Budget and Policy Priorities. Among Black and Latino households with children, roughly one in two reported at least one of these hardships. So there you have it. In the United States, so-called land of plenty, the richest country in the entire world, Tens of millions of people are living in poverty, and the government isn't willing to do much of anything about it. Well, how you spend your money certainly reflects your priorities, too. So it tells you quite a bit about the United States of America, or at least the government of the United States of America, that the Senate voted this week to increase the Pentagon budget by another $25 billion over President Biden's budget request bringing the total to over $750 billion. In fact, when you look at the most extensive measure of military spending out there, those are the numbers put out by the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute. They had the U.S. slated to spend $778 billion as of April 2021. So with this additional boost, the U.S. will be spending just over $800 billion on the military this year. Now, the first thing that really jumps out at you is how easy it is for the Senate to agree on this when they can't seem to agree on spending any money to actually improve people's lives with the spending plan to fix the bridges, roads, dams and levees being stuck in limbo, along with bills to increase access to child care and education. But twenty five billion dollars for war. Easily done. It's also worth noting that twenty five billion dollars is the exact amount of money public citizen. An advocacy group has estimated it would take to build out enough vaccine production infrastructure to vaccinate the entire world, which, of course, Congress has not even discussed, much less written a bill for. The United States spends more on its military than the next 11 countries combined. Our so-called biggest adversary, China, spent about $250 billion on the military in 2020. Again, the U.S. is dropping anywhere between seven and $800 billion. How much did Russia spend in 2020? $65 $65 billion. The largest chunk of this U.S. defense spending, so-called defense spending, war spending, 39% of it, to be exact, goes towards operations and maintenance. So that means the massive worldwide military machine. Not only is it, of course, morally maligned, but a lot of the money is just thrown away. The vaunted F-35 fighter, for instance, well, 15% of the ones out there don't have engines. And there's hesitation to buy more because the ones that do have engines have engine problems. So 10 years behind schedule, double the original price tag, and the engines don't even work. Yet, we are still paying. Of course, the bigger overall issue is that the massive military machine is doing the opposite of bringing peace and democracy, but is instead sowing instability from Iraq to Somalia to the South China Sea. And there is talk that Congress will go on an August recess, even if they don't pass a bill to fix the bridges. But it seems they weren't willing to leave town before topping off 
the Pentagon. Now, you'd think if you were the CEO of a mega bank and under your watch, the bank was continually getting hit by felony charges, you'd be fired or, you know, there'd be some sort of salary reduction or something. Well, if you're Jamie Dimon, the CEO of J.P. Morgan, the opposite is true. Not only do you stay CEO, but they also give you $50 million in stock options. Yep, that's right. Last fall, J.P. Morgan pleaded to two serious felony counts. But just this week, Jamie Dimon was given $50 million in stock options as essentially a bonus. And in the statement announcing it was praised lavishly by the board. And the crimes were not minor either. Two felony counts of wire fraud for manipulating trading in the precious metals and U.S. Treasury markets. The two counts are also pretty deceptive. As the Justice Department statement about these crimes laid out, quote, Traders engaged in tens of thousands of instances of unlawful trading in gold, silver, platinum, and palladium, as well as thousands of instances of unlawful trading of U.S. Treasury futures contracts and in U.S. Treasury notes and bonds. Tens of thousands of instances. And for all that, they paid a $920 million fine. Nevertheless, in the statement about the $50 million in stock options, the board stated their, quote, desire for Mr. Diamond to continue to lead the firm for a significant number of years. In making the special award, the board considered the importance of Mr. Diamond's continuing long-term stewardship of the firm, end quote. And that $50 million is also interesting. That's the paper value right now of the stock options, $50 million. But he can't exercise the options for the next five years. And when he is able to exercise them, what the value of them will be is unknown. But the difference between what it's worth now and what it will be worth then, so it could be worth significantly more money. One could say it could also be worth significantly less money. Who knows what will happen in five years? On the other hand, though, the board approved Diamond spending $30 billion in share buybacks this year. And undoubtedly, they'll probably be happy with him doing similar things in the years moving forward. So in other words, through share buybacks over the next few years, he could actually boost the value of his own stock options and cash out at a rate that is higher, maybe much higher than $50 million. I guess the old saying really is true. Crime does pay. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom. 